everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lessons Learned Podcast, the dumbest thing I've ever done with money. My name is Suzanne, and I'm the head coach at Grace Financial Coaching. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Lessons Learned, the dumbest thing I've ever done with money. I am so excited for our guest today. This is my friend, Callie Ingebrigtsen, and she is the founder of Chillax Finance. And we have brought her on today so that we can ask her what the dumbest thing she's ever done with money. Hey, Callie, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited yeah. for today. So tell us a little bit about Chillax Finance and your coaching practice. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a financial coach and I focus primarily on the LGBTQIA plus community and other marginalized groups, basically people who feel excluded by the traditional financial services industry, which unfortunately is a lot of people because that industry seems to be focused on, you know, older people, typically people who are white and people who are straight and, um, you know, I'm trying to serve people who aren't necessarily served by that industry, younger people, people who are just starting to build a healthier relationship with money. And I'm really on a mission for there to be less queer folks, because a lot of people in the queer community struggle with um, different aspects of their financial life. So that's what I'm setting out to do through Chillax. Yeah, finance. definitely. And you and I have had this conversation before, but let's let's expound upon that a little bit, because I think for <laughs> some people, this is going to be a very obvious um, oh, yeah, th that happens all the time. Right. And then for other people, they're going to be like, whoa, I, I didn't know that this was an issue. So give us an example of maybe an issue that you've come across more than once, like a, a kind of like a consistent issue that you see with this particular community, get, either getting into the financial, you know, breaking into the financial advising world or getting more information in the financial world. Where do you see those struggles? Yeah, I would say a recurring issue is that there just seems to be a big disconnect between the type of financial advisors or financial planners who are out there and the community that I'm a part of. I'm a proud bisexual. I'm in my 30s, which is about 20% or 20 years younger than the average age of a financial planner, which is 55, according to the Certified Financial Planning Board. Um, and so there just seems to be a big disconnect in life experience and financial issues that an average financial planner serves and those of a younger, um, a younger client, especially folks in the queer community who might be intimidated to reveal parts of their identity or their relationship status or who their partner is or things like that um, with a financial, um, traditional financial plan as well as um, things like understanding and respecting people's pronouns or um, especially for people whose gender um, doesn't necessarily fit the traditional boxes of man or woman. They feel that they're more they're more in the middle of the spectrum. They're non-binary or they're trans and under the trans umbrella. So I'm still learning about these issues just because I'm bi doesn't mean that I am, you know, a beacon of all knowledge, but I've been around that community for a long time and have gained a lot of knowledge. And so I just want to try to open some doors and help people feel more comfortable because we all have financial lives, right? We all need to address our finances at some point in life. And so my heart just beats for that community because I've seen that a lot of people, people feel excluded from the average financial plan who is out there. So coaching yeah. is a newer movement. I'm sure you have experience. I know we're both coaches, so you can attest to that as well. But financial planning versus financial coaching, you know, my goal is to help people with more foundational financial skills. And then when they're ready to do more long range investing or dealing with um, prepping for retirement or looking at social security strategies and things like that, that's when I would pass them off to a financial planner. But as sure. a financial coach, I want to focus specifically or primarily on the queer community and with those uh, more foundational financial skills before the long term goals that people may have. 
Yeah. And I, you know, I think one of the reasons you and I get along so well is that that kind of stuff going back to respecting people's pronouns and and if, if it's male, if it's female, if, you know, like you even said, like to check the box. So like I'm, I visually, when you said that, I literally physically pictured like a box that needed to be checked, right? Male, female, married, single, divorced. And those are, those can be very limiting for certain people. Um, I actually, that doesn't even, you know, it, none of that bothers me, right? It's on my forms. I don't even have those boxes. <laughs> sure you know it's so much more um it's so much more interesting engaging uh personable you know when you don't have those boxes um and zoom has been you know i know everyone is zoomed out from covid right but but having Mm -hmm. access to things like zoom and google meets and meetup and stuff like that um it gives you an opportunity to see the person and not necessarily just see what's on paper so i think as uh, you know, people our age enter the financial realm, whether it is financial advising, planning, or coaching, that stuff's going to hopefully fall away, right? Are there going to be some outside stragglers? Yeah, of course. But the, I think the majority of that stuff is going to fall away for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I am actually surprised that, what did you say the average age was? 50? 55. So 55. This I is thought it was going to be higher. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, that's the median age. So that does mean that there's quite a few people that are older, you know, that's just the average. But I, something I wanted to mention is I'm not sure that all people know just how underserved the type of clients that I want to serve. And I think that we have a lot of overlap too, that we're wanting to shake things up and um, serve, you know, a wider base of clients, not just people who are like two years away from retirement, for example, which have legit financial needs. It's just that there's like a big gap of everybody else before they get to that place. Um, But some stats that I like to share with my clients so that they understand is that um, the average age of a financial planner is 55. And this is all, this data, I'm not making this up. This is all from the CFP board. And so for people watching, the CFP board is the Certified Financial Planner Board. They are basically the largest organization that oversees financial planners, which is different than what you and I do. I know we're more in the coaching realm, but they're a big leader in the financial services industry and they um, have data on who's serving clients, right? So 55 is the average age. 96% of financial advisors are white. So that means only 4% are people of color. And then only um, 14% of financial advisors are women. So that means 84%, 86% are men. Um, And so, and there's not even data on trans or non-binary planners that I've been able to find. So for people whose gender feels, you know, outside of those traditional boxes um, that again, I still am learning about, um, but for people who don't necessarily identify with one of those boxes, according to the CFP board, they're not even like trackable or they're not out there. And if anybody out there is watching is one of those people, I would love to be your best friend (laughs) and form an alliance. (laughs) So please email me. Um, But yeah, those stats are just crazy because there's just so many people, you know, that, you know, don't fit into those, all three of those boxes, you know, it skews, it's an industry that skews old. It's an industry that's extremely white. It's an industry that skews, you know, very male dominated. And I know that there are a lot of people that fit those three boxes, but there's also a lot of people that don't. So that's, I'm passionate about, you know, serving a wider base of clients because those yeah. types of advisors tend to serve clients that also fit those same boxes. So that means that wealth and financial knowledge and financial strategies and savings and all these things stay, you know, in people with those types of identities. And I really want to disrupt uh, power structures um, through personal finance. I think that ultimately that's my goal. 
you're going to laugh at me because two of the financial advisors that I refer people to are both women of color. Oh, great. <laughs> so, so for Please. me to be like 50% of the people that I refer my clients out to when they get to that place, right? Because as coaches, yep. we're building those foundational skills that you mentioned earlier. When we get to that place of them being able to invest, of of the crushing debt is gone, and now we finally have some margin in our budget and we can turn the 401k back on or, or increase the 401k. Literally 50% of the people that I refer them to are women of, of color who are financial Good. advisors. So I'm like, so even just hearing that stat that it's 14% is mind blowing to me because mm -hmm. I have either come across these people randomly, found them randomly. Like I didn't go looking for them. It's just, so I am shocked to find that only 14% are women. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And only yeah. four are people of color. So yeah, to be right. both so a woman and a person us. of color, like that's really good. I know that's a, that's a practice that I have too, is that I have a short list of um, financial planners that I'll refer people to. And I have nothing against if I were to have like a shared ethos with like a straight older white man, like that's awesome. I'm sure that there's some cool people out there, but with my vibe of what I'm trying to do through my practice, my clients seem to have like the same vision and they want to feel comfortable with the people that they work with. So I have a, um, have a sh very short list of people that I will only refer to if they're not all three of those traditional boxes That's of funny. old yeah. white men, you know? Yeah. And I think so, the yeah. other, the other two or three are all under the, well, under the age of 55. So that's why that was so shocking to me also. So mm -hmm. <laughs> totally a friend of mine, who's a financial coach out of Minneapolis. He says when the average age of the industry you're in is closer to social security claiming age than recent grads, we have a problem because there's not going to be like a new fresh blood, you know? And I believe that the CFP board, you can look all this up at, I forget if it's cfpboard.net or whatever their website is. They have data on the, um, specifically like women in the industry. And that um, has not changed. The amount of financial planners has not changed in 10 years. So it's so just crazy so to, me. to me. Yeah. That's very mm. interesting to me. I wonder what, um, I wonder what is kind of preventing new blood from getting in there. I do know one person that I can think of off the top of my head who's a little bit younger than me. And he got into the field and he left pretty quickly because he hated it. Yeah, totally. I've heard that that happens with people of color, with women, with younger people. Oh they get, they're not really supported to grow. They just want um, the... I mean, you make good money. Planner. You make good money. So yeah. let's be honest about it, right? It's a it's a career path that you can make good money in. Just as if you mm -hmm. were an engineer, you know, just as if you're going into nursing, these are career paths where you can make a decent amount of money. You're going to have to work hard, but you can make mm -hmm. a decent amount of money. So I, I wouldn't begrudge anybody for going into it saying, hey, this sounds relatively interesting and I'm going to be able to make some money. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah, that. that's a great thing. We live in a world where we need money. That's fine. Right. I had experience. I did work for a CFP, a certified financial planner in, in Minneapolis for a while. And I would suggest things and he would just put the kibosh on them. So it felt like he just wanted me to replicate exactly what he had in mind. And I was wanting to take his vision and grow it in some ways. And it was just like a no. So I had some experience where I felt limited as well. But anyway, that's just an aside. Yeah, no, so, yeah. that's Those great. Stats yeah, and yeah, I, I just have to share this comment from Laura. Good money doesn't always mean it's a good job for you. Oh, thanks for striking me down, Laura. <laughs> Preach, Laura. That's so good. That's so good. So good. She always comes up with good ones, for sure. <laughs> so we've talked about, you know, kind of your experience. You have worked for a financial planner. You're a financial coach now. But before you were so perfect with your money, Callie, I'm sure there were things you did where you made mistakes. And the whole point yeah. of the show is that so people can learn 
from the mistakes of others, including my, myself included. So Callie, what is the dumbest thing you've ever done with money? Gosh, uh, the dumbest thing that I did with my money is starting from when I was a teenager all the way through high school or college, excuse me, I didn't save at all, like none, zero, negative. I started working when I was 15, which I later found out was illegal in the state of Minnesota. I should have started when I was 16, but I know I'm seated, so people watching can't see, but I'm one, <laughs> and I've been that height for a very long time. So people often, when I was younger, thought I was older than I was. And so anyway, I started working since I was 15, and I didn't save like a single dollar. And I would just, I worked at a one-hour photo, you too. Same, same. Really. <laughs> Gosh, I just regret that so much. Yeah. So that's the biggest mistake I made was not working, mm -hmm. not saving. I worked at a one hour photo store. Remember when we used to like print photos? <laughs> um, I would develop photos at this photo shop in the mall in the suburb of Minneapolis where I grew up. And um, yeah, I, that was that was the bummer that I didn't save. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I was the same way in New York. You could get you could actually get your working papers at 14. So, the, yeah, the school allowed, I don't even know if that's accurate anymore. So no one take me <laughs> at face value with that. But when I was 14, a million years ago, um, your parents had to sign off on it, but you could get the card. You actually had to cat a little card on you um, mm. through the guidance counseling office at school. And the, your parents would sign off saying, yes, we understand she's 14, but she's allowed to work. She has our permission. So that if I was working at a McDonald's or, a, you know, most McDonald's wouldn't hire you because that's too young. Um, I was working at like a mom and pop pizza place, New York. Obviously, oh, there's nice. eight million of them, right? So, nice. <laughs> so I had my little working card. I couldn't touch alcohol. I couldn't serve to the tables where alcohol was being served, but I could work behind the counter. I could pick up the phone. And from then till when I left college, I had a paid internship. I had an unpaid internship. I had a work study job. I didn't save any of it. I didn't save any mm. of it. Ugh. So I feel you. Mm. I feel you. And Laura has, uh, Laura has some more advice for us young people save capitalize on that compound interest laura yes do you think they taught us what compound interest was <laughs> in school 20 years ago no they didn't and they're definitely not teaching it now right i we, know we all know that with the clients that we see yeah last i saw because i don't know if um you or anybody watching knows of this coalition it's called jumpstart it's a nationwide initiative to make financial education required in schools i was part of that coalition it's a nationwide thing but then each state has their own committee so i was on the committee in minnesota for that oh, nice. and it's um working to have financial education required in uh, k-12 schools and so last i saw i think it's 19 of the 50 states now require a financial education course in order to graduate a public k-12 school but that's now so people like you and me who we're not that old, but we're not teenagers anymore in high school. So, right. I mean, our chance of getting that information through school is like even more limited. So, yeah, I was just buying Sour Patch Kids at the mall, going to Cinnabon, living my best 16 year old life. But now looking back, I'm like, damn, what was I doing? <laughs> I am going to have to make sure my sister watches this video and hears the Sour Patch comments because she's still doing that. Luckily, she's saving now, but she's still <laughs> eating Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> okay. Maybe just have a balance. I just wish I would right. have balanced. A right. Bit exactly. More. How about you need? a sour patch kids budget as long as you have a budget yes. line you're good to go i don't care what the heck you buy right exactly totally your fun money is just for whatever you want but i wish i would have mixed it up a little bit yes yes exactly <laughs> so going back in time those million years ago when we were 14 years old what would you change about your decision um to not save gosh well i wish that i would have 
I did have a savings account, but I wish I would have used it more strategically. I would just like transfer my money back and forth between checking and savings super unintentionally. Like they meant nothing to me, the difference. And now I'm very, I understand the value of savings and a savings account, even if the interest is very little mentally, just you're committing to a future goal, which is just as important. Now I understand that that's just as important as the fun things I want to do now. So Gosh, if I could go back, I wish that I would have saved even just 10 or 20% of what I had um, coming in. And I would have still been able to, I mean, what could I not have done with 10% taken out? Nothing, you know what I mean? But I would have had, by the time I was an adult, if I would have done that across all my little jobs that I had in college and in high school and all of the things that I did, I would have fully had like probably my full emergency fund by the time I graduated high school or college, excuse me, college. And that would have just set me up to be in a totally different financial place. So I really yeah. regret that. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I distinctly remember, and you may not be old enough for this because I'm a little bit older than you. We had the passbook savings accounts where you had to Ooh, it looked like a yes. pass. Okay. They yeah. print, print your balances when you bring it in. You bring yes. it in and they put it in a little machine and it would print what your balance was. And you take it back and you're like, oh, cool. That's how much money I have. And my yes. that was my first account. I had that before I had a checking account because I had that when I was like, 12 my mom started yes. it with me and i wish i had even just like you said 10% right back then 10% would have meant nothing to us it we would have mm -hmm. still been buying the sour patch kids right we totally. would still have been doing whatever the heck we wanted to do going to the movies we wouldn't have even have noticed um so yeah i totally agree so yeah so <laughs> i have not interviewed myself about the dumbest thing i've ever done with money but i will chalk one up to this as well because <laughs> i am in the same boat starting work at 14 through college, barely put anything aside, anything. I mean, that's about 10 years or so, you know, by the time someone gets done with college and they're like looking for jobs or whatever from high school all the way through college. So depending on when someone gets their first job, like that 10% yeah. could really build. And oh, gosh, what a regret. So I know. Yeah, and the, and the, interest rates were, the interest rates were actually full, full numbers back then. <laughs> I know. Oh my God. That does show yeah. how old we are. I have visions of going email. to the bank. I got dad. an email saying that uh, an interest rate on a, I can't remember if it was a money market or a CD was going up 0.02%. And I'm like, that's not even worth the email that it, the money that it costs you to send me this email. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. 0.02%. Woo. <laughs> totally. They had to pay their marketing person more in a salary to like email that. Than to... <laughs> exactly. And one Oof. final piece of advice from our friend, Laura. My three-year-old grandbaby loves Sour Patch. They're great body <laughs> training tips. Life oh, hacks, nice. folks. Life hacks nice. from Laura. There you oh go, Laura. We're going to start you your own show. She has some great I advice for sure. Thanks, well, thanks Callie, for participating, I wanna... Laura. Yes, I know. She's so good. <laughs> well, Callie, I want to thank you for your honesty and sharing your financial blunder. I know a lot of us are going to look back on our 14, 16-year-old self and say, same, same girl, same. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I give one tip now? Yeah before we wrap up is anybody watching i don't know if this was even available when i was working as a teenager but now i know most employers allow you to automatically split your direct deposits so you can go into your payroll system or talk to your hr person and automate that that's a huge part of what i do with my clients through Telex finance is take advantage of um, automatically splitting your direct deposit so i've helped even my friends here in san diego like even if i'm not officially their financial coach i'm like you got to be saving something so like i'll have them come over and we'll like log into their adp 
account or whatever it is. And you can just put in a second account and you can have it do a fixed amount per paycheck or a percent. So I desperately wish that my parents would have known about something like that if it existed at my time. But that's why I'm saying it now for people who are listening now that you can help automate that. So you don't even have to think about the five, 10, 15, 20%, whatever it is that you want to put towards another goal and you can have the yeah. rest go into. Yeah. And your you know what? Account. I don't know. Um, I don't know if that was available when I was in high school. I distinctly remember my first job out of college. Like, you know, they gave you a piece of paper, right? It wasn't even online. They gave me a piece of paper to write my checking account number. And then I had to attach the voided check. Of course. <laughs> Throwback. <laughs> right. And so, yes. I, yeah, that's a, I remember there being a separation whenever I started work out of, out of college. But I don't even know if that, right, seven years before that, eight years before that. Yeah. If that would have even been available. So that's really huge. And I yeah. think that's actually a better automation tip than setting up a transfer in your online banking because it's For sure, coming because right out of the direct deposit. Yes. It's like even before it hits your bank, like it's hit your bank in two Exactly. Places. So instead of yeah. seeing 4,000 in there and then saying, oh, I have to move 400 over, you only see 3,600 and the 400 goes automatically somewhere else, right? Yeah, I like that. Yes. I think I'm going to change my guidance too. I'm stealing that from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. I just wanted to make the learning from my mistake even more actionable for anybody watching. So <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Callie, thank you so much for joining me today. It was so good to catch up with you. And yes. uh, if you guys are not catching the replay, are you not watching Facebook Live? There's always the replay on the Grace Financial Coaching YouTube channel. And you can join me next week for another episode. Have a good one, guys. Bye. Thanks again to our guests for their honesty and for sharing their financial blunders with us. Join me again next week for another episode of Lessons Learned Podcast, the dumbest thing I've ever done with money. Make sure to subscribe to the Grace Financial Coaching YouTube channel and please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.